You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today uh, we're doing an answer to a question that somebody had, but as usual, if I can't answer the question that well, I like to call on people who can. So the question today was about how to become an NASM master uh, trainer and what is that process like? And though I could probably speak to it, I thought... Let me reach out to my friend, Marty Miller, who is a regional master instructor for NASM. He's the host, a co-host of the Master Instructor Roundtable with his partner, Wendy Batts, on that. And then he's also the host of the NASM IG Live Coffee Talk with Marty Miller. Welcome, my friend and colleague. Marty Miller. What's up, Marty? It's great to see you, Rick. And it's good to be on this side of the screen, in a sense, like, being, you know, watching you, your intro and all that. You nailed it. Good job. Ah, <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, from from one podcaster to another, man, that, that means a lot. And I know that for you, you speaking on being the other end, you are now the interviewee, so to speak. So you won't be asking the questions. You'll be answering the questions. Are you nervous about that? Kept me up all night. I can only, you know, <laughs> just the stress. What's he going to ask me? All that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm ready to go. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. So uh, let's let's go with the gentleman's question, man. He was wanting to know a little bit more about the process of becoming a master instructor for NASM so or, or a master trainer. So can you, first of all, like just tell us what that is, what it means uh, as a master trainer, and then let's just talk about the process of going through that. Yeah, this is a a solution or a product or something that NASM's come out with that's really near and dear to a lot of our hearts. Because, you know, as we go through the industry, you know, I'm coming from a sports medicine background where I was privileged to have hands-on time before I even graduated, right? So I think a lot of us in the industry knew that there were, you know, being through the process of studying by yourself, taking the test is great. It's a, it's a huge accomplishment to get your NASM CPT but there's times where people really want to go to that next level. And some of that is being mentored and or evaluated by people in the field. So you can really kind of test yourself. So that's where NASM years ago came up with a master trainer program where there's requirements, which we'll get through. But then at the end of that, if you get through the process to get to the live event, this is where myself, Wendy Batts, Ken Miller, the three of us, usually two out of the three, sometimes all three of us, we sit there and we watch you do an assessment. We watch you do a program design. We watch you implement that program design and really make sure that just that knowledge that you got from the text and the online material is translating to what we see when you're actually with a client. You know, it's interesting because I, I did a lot of self-study and even a lot of my schooling ended up when it came to exercise science was online. And so it, it was hard to make applications sometimes of just the information that I had been studying. In fact, uh, I didn't even know how to say certain words because I didn't hear anybody say the word. So if I read something, I could totally mispronounce it because I never heard anybody say it. So there's something about having um, an opportunity to work with somebody in person to help guide 
the the storyline because we read it and when we read it we make applications that make sense in our head but does it actually make sense in real application i think that's what it's nice about having the opportunity to to meet with people who have been doing it for a long time who've been mentored who have learned under tutelage of other people like how to actually make application with this because reading information and applying information sometimes can be totally different yeah absolutely and i've always said this is you know if you read something and you understand it or don't understand it if you want more sometimes you can only reread the same information right mm -hmm. so as you're saying you know if you're confused you may stay confused or if you misunderstood it you may not even understand that you're not applying it correctly. But at the end of the day, the knowledge that we learn, we have to put into action three-dimensionally, right? This is what we do. We, we understand the science, but can we put it into practice and can we get people moving properly and then implement great programming still based on the OBT model? So that's where this is, you know, what we love to do. And let's be honest, Rick, you know, we, we love live events. We love being in front of people. Oh, yeah. Trainers like to learn you know, visually, and it's kind of like learn by doing, not always, you got to have, you got to have the knowledge from the text, right? But really to get to that next level or that mastery that begins when you can apply it in the real world. Yeah, I, I feel that that's, that's probably what a lot of people are looking for. So when we talk about creating solutions for folks, uh, I think this is really one of those moments. It's not just it's not just a workshop, it's an opportunity to put together something and have it critiqued by people who have been in the business for a while. Uh, so people like you and Ken and Wendy have all been part of this process. Now, I've done it um, with Ken, uh, where he's come to New York and done the master trainer workshops uh, out of one of my facilities, and that I helped with that process to proctor it. And and I found it really interesting. Can you go into a little more detail? Like what is necessary? So if somebody wants to become an NASM master trainer, um, how do they go about it? What did they need? Are there prerequisites that are required? Sure. And what I'll, I'll lead with too is if you're considering doing this, you know, think about really putting yourself to the test. Like Rick, you and I, you know, we continue to get our education. We continue to push ourselves. And you and I both have in the martial art background. We love that. Let me test my skills, right? So this is an opportunity for someone to really see, okay, I've been doing this for a little bit of time. Am I ready? Can I step up to the challenge? So if you're that type of person, then this is definitely for you. And maybe Rick, at the end, we'll talk about some of the career opportunities, but the yeah. initial requirements, right? Like you can't just pass your CPT and boom, you're eligible to become a master trainer, right? So we are looking for three years of training with 10 or more clients per, you know, per week, 10 hours of training, utilizing the model. That's the key thing because you are without a doubt going to be tested on the model. Then you have to have all the requirements before purchasing the master trainer summit. So we don't let you just go buy it. We got to make sure that you're eligible. So this would be in past attending an ASM workshop, you know, the live events have been on hold. So there's ways around that. But then you have to have your valid, still valid NASM CPT. You have to have the corrective exercise specialist and the performance enhancement specialist, and then one more specialization that's valid. So those are the, the type of benchmarks. We will make some exceptions if somebody has a college degree, but if not, you need those NASM certifications and advanced credentials because when we're testing you out, there might be, depending who your case study is, 
you may need to break into a little CES or a little PES. So that's where we're looking for someone that has some experience, three, you know, three years, and then that full arsenal of the OPT model. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Marty Miller sitting down with me talking about what the what it is to become a master instructor for NASA or master trainer. I keep saying master instructor. No, well, but I know why I know why you're going there. So why? We, <laughs> because that's where we get some people say, well, why would I want to do this? Well, there's advantage in your own career, but then from NASM, if we're looking for people, why wouldn't we start in our master trainer pool? All right. That, that makes a lot of sense. And when I get that question, and Marty, you probably get the question a lot too. Um, you know, how do I do what you do? I want to, to teach workshops. I want to, to educate. I've, you know, this is the thing, Marty, like I've been super inspired, especially as a young trainer, watching people up on stage at mm -hmm. summits and things like that, where they're doing fitness education. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do what they're doing. That's because I'm inspired. I want to make other people feel the way that I felt. And so I get that question a lot, man. I get the question, how do I do what you do? And you're saying this is one of the ways to do that. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll answer that. I'll finish through what the requirements would be. So those are the eligibility requirements. Like, are you even eligible? From there, you put in an application. Right. We need your resume, two letters of recommendation and a short essay, which Ken Miller facilitates that. Then there's an online course. So there's a video submission of ability to perform accurate assessments and demonstrate, you know, proper exercise technique and cueing. And then you have to pass an online portion. If all of those go well, then we have the summit where, you know, that's kind of like the final stages. But the reason that this is important is twofold. One, just for your own career, challenge yourself to really know that, you know, you're going to be um, critiqued in a good way, positively, and you might learn some things about yourself and your training techniques you didn't know. So this is why it's such a valid thing. But then on the other part that you asked about, like, okay, how do I get up in front of a group of people? Well, first, start small, right? Start, you know, in front of your gym, maybe you host a webinar or host a, uh, some type of session, maybe go to a local school and offer to be a speaker practice, 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 you know, you may not get your first opportunity to go up on the stage at idea world or Ursa, it could happen. But you know, there's always these ways to build those building blocks and really practice. And if anything, I know, Rick, you're the same way, especially from your background, if you're going to do any presentation as painful as it may be, film it. Because yeah. you want to see and Rick, you can go into you know, your background in mm -hmm. acting and all that. You got to be able to turn the camera on and look at it and be like, whoa, I didn't know I did this over and over. And, you know, that was the value, Rick, when we started off together years ago in this, you'd go up and teach and I'd be like, hey, this was awesome. Boom, boom, boom. What about this? You said this, you kept using this phrase and then you would do the same thing to me or Wendy or Ken. And that's how you keep getting better at it is to really you're going to assess yourself in the master trainer. But then if you want to speak. You got to be able to get yourself opportunities, but you better evaluate those so that way you get more opportunities. Yeah. In fact, um, I used to work with somebody and that would be the main thing that we would do. We would teach together. And when we would go to lunch, we would, <laughs> we would banter and chat and then we would be like, all right, give it to me. Right. Like what, what was my audible pause? What did I repeat? You know, were there phrases that I repeated a lot? Uh, 
was there a moment, were there times where I was too high energy and didn't use enough dynamics? You know, there were, and just this constant way of saying, how am I coming across to other people? Mm-hmm. And how can you help me with my way of delivering? And so I think that that's important because we have it same. Have you ever listened to your own voicemail and been like, ew, <laughs> what, it, do I sound like that? Is that what I really sound like? And that's just a voice message that's going out on your phone, right? So there's so many things that when you're speaking in front of people, it's beyond hearing yourself. It's getting to see the, you know, are you fiddling around with the the pin, pushing the the button, trying to extend the pin, lower the pin? It, are you annoying in certain ways? <laughs> like, the, and these are things that you don't see, but another set of eyes allows that to happen to see those things. And now, that is outside almost completely of whether or not you're able to put together a good program. If you know the OPT model. It's how you present and come across to people that you're talking to. And then also the exploration of what is your ability to provide the programming. Right. And some of that comes out in this master trainer event if you make it to that point. Right. And if you're not making it to that point, we're going to guide you on you need to tweak this. You need to tweak this. And this is how you get from eligibility to the application, to the online, to the summit. And if you don't pass the summit, we give you homework so then you can pass but during that time frame you know rig when we could jump dante we didn't know we were going to get into this part but you would be shocked how people have been working in the industry 10 years and they freeze up talking about this stuff because we're sitting there oh yeah this goes back to your point like are you if you want to be a master trainer or an educator and you jump up in on a stage whether it's just with myself wendy and ken or is it in front of Ursa Idea World and have a bunch of people who do know some things staring at you? And now are you ready to, because there's always, right? Always the one or two who want to try to make a point in your presentation. Right. <laughs> Not that that's you or I. Then there's no, the no. one person that may ask too many questions. How do you handle all that? And what if you stumble on something? So that's where, again, always continue your education. As you're continuing that education, challenge yourself. And that's what this master trainer summit does for sure. And then use that as a building block for maybe your next step. And that's why NASM likes to use people that have gone through, you know, I'll joke around, say the gauntlet. We're very, very fair. And we're always giving uh, reinforcement on how you can get better. But until you've really humbled yourself and put yourself out there for that, just brutal honesty and, Rick, I know you won't be surprised at this, but we had people working this for 10 or 15 years. And when they failed, they almost were ready to cry at first. And we're like, well, wait a minute. What if you didn't come here? What if you didn't take the opportunity to humble yourself and put yourself out in a vulnerable situation where you're willing to learn and get better? Look what you know now. So it's, it's, it's to build people up. It's not to break people down. But, you know, I say this with all humility, and you know this about me. I never plan on anything coming from the education I gather. It's just the next logical step. Good things happen. And when I want to teach for NASM, I truly know this, and I think this is still the case, but I'm like, if I'm the dumbest one in that room, I'll be okay because the rising tide will raise all ships, right? I'm not looking, I don't want to be the smartest person in a room. And sometimes in the little box that we operate in, we are the smartest person in that room. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
but you know, I did the coffee talk to and talked about, I connected with my mentor again, that started me off and you've got to have people that can push you just a little bit every time. And, you know, I know you've got young children, mine are a little older. And the one thing I say, and they're like, dad, I know you become the sum average of the five people you spend. <laughs> with, right. Yeah. That was why I wanted to become an instructor. It wasn't about how much money am I going to make? It wasn't anything to do with that. It's I need to surround myself with the best of the best because they will indirectly force me to become better. Well, in, in some ways, the hanging around with you, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking with Marty Miller, who's a NASM regional master instructor, uh, along with so many more things, so many more titles and accolades and, and things that you've done and currently do in your life. Um, but one of the things that caused me, that led me, that made me want to, to do better with my education is, first of all, being in a room with a bunch of NASM instructors. And, you know, throughout the years, those NASM instructors uh, maybe didn't have a graduate degree. And so people are like, oh, well, that person has a graduate degree, this person. And then people just were like, all right, I'm going to go and get my master's degree. And then people like you and Kyle Stoll and several other within our group started your doctoral programs. And after a few years, I was like, oh man, look at those guys around here <laughs> doing their doctorates. Uh, and they do the same job I do, but now I want, I, I want that because you are my colleagues. You are the people that I am in the room with. And, and you are part of that rising tide that led me to go back and want what you had, which is an education. That's that something that can't be taken away. And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have formal education as a personal trainer. So they rely on getting certifications mm -hmm. and they get the certifications and a lot of times when you're not looking at higher education or going back to school, the question still always comes up, Marty, what's next? Like, what's my what's next? How does this kind of fall in line with the what's next for so many people? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So two things came to mind right away. So you never know what happened in your life that maybe helps create the next thing. But going back when I was young, I was an Eagle Scout, right? And one of the things they always said to you when you went somewhere is you leave it better than you found it. And whenever I've left the job, I'm like, okay, am I leaving it in good hands? Did I do what I needed to do? But I think we're stewards of the industry. And that's why we all get along so well. Cause there's, when I joke around, like, you know, there's no egos in the room joking, right? We all are like passionate, but when we're together, we're all trying to help each other. Right. So I think, you know, when I went and got my doctorate and then you showed interest and all that, we're leaving the industry, hopefully better than where we found it. Yeah. So we're, we're laying those breadcrumbs for future people. And one of my twin boys is about to sit for his CPT, right? He doesn't know oh. I already have his next six years planned out. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him he's not watching. Not a word. He's actually at work, but going back to what you were asked, the next question you asked me is Wendy and I just did a master instructor roundtable on what we call our CEU review. Of course, we talk about the CEUs, but I said, I am so privileged to work in an industry that requires CEUs because anytime you get a certification or we, again, we can go back to our martial arts, whether you get a white belt, a black belt, it's minimally competent, right? To start yeah. same thing with an education. So I'm so glad that my industry, I can't learn it all right away. 
so I'm, I love the CEU process. So what I do every round November, December is I plan out the rest of my year and I use my CEU opportunity as an investment, not an expense. And the people that usually are scrambling at the end for their CEUs and maybe complain about the expense, well, because you didn't make a plan. So do you need your CES because that's where your weaknesses or your future opportunities and, you know, and again, all the way back to God knows what we both spent on our doctorate. It has paid itself back immediately. And I know why I chose the program I did because I know where fitness and healthcare is going. And now I'm ahead of the game. So these are the things that I think about is how do we leave the industry better than we found it? And how do we create a structure of a plan based on the education that we should be go out and get, or going out to get that will lead us to future success? Yeah. And, and I think that this part of the future success, when people are looking at uh, NASM, I'm, I'm always impressed with NASM that provides kind of a path right? Mm -hmm. So there are many opportunities that, that you have. So obviously the CPT, the performance enhancement specialist, the corrective exercise specialist, the certified nutrition coach, the now, now outside of fitness almost completely is the, the, the wellness coaching certification that's there. Um, not that you don't need to be a personal trainer to do that one, but that one is an excellent one to have if you do personal training. So you have this kind of pathway that you can go deeper in and you can expand your knowledge. Uh, this master trainer one, it is different though. It, it's different because it requires that you have several um, specializations in addition to your certified personal trainer, but it also it's an opportunity to work with the folks at NASM directly where you've got people teaching the workshops. Uh, you got people that are, that, that you've seen on the podcast that you've heard on the podcast that you see in the videos that do the educational content that write the chapters in the textbook. And then all of a sudden you show up to the summit and there are two or three of those people that you kind of know, that you feel like you know, that may be teaching that workshop that you get to listen to and learn from in person. And that I think is really, really cool. Right, and, I, and we love it because again, we're stewards of the information. We're all very passionate. You know, This is almost my 18th year now heading into with NASM, same thing with Wendy. And Ken Miller and Tony Ambler, right? We basically started all at the same time. You were what a year later. Yeah. So right there. Is there other opportunities we could have gone into? Yeah, we all have a full-time job, but you won't be able to separate us from NASM because one, we understand the science and but we want to be around cutting edge. And we really again want to be stewards of the information. I didn't create this thing. When I saw it, I was working in professional baseball. I'm like, oh my God, finally, somebody has a system that makes sense to me. I was looking for a system because yeah. there was too many things of, well, this is the way I do it. I'm like, I, that, that doesn't make sense to me. There has to be a right and wrong. We're dealing with the human body. So once I saw it, I'm like, okay, I want to master this system. Then when I met the people, the Rodney Corns, the Mike Clarks, the Al Russells and Scott Lucets, and on and on, I was like, okay, I want to be around these people. And then it just continues to snowball. And now I feel the responsibility to make sure that we continue to pass this information on because it's bulletproof. And when I say bulletproof, it's evidence-based. There's been a lot of trends and fads that have come in and out of fitness since we've been teaching it. But the system of getting people to move well, getting them to move 
often. And then, you know, then you can move them well off and under load and then at high speed. I don't see how that's going to ever change. There might be high intensity training. There might be a new fitness tool like a sandbag or a kettlebell. I mean, even though those were around for a while and came back, I still can use the system as my toolbox and a lot of tools now just have their place. So it became just a passion, but now we want to get more people to understand fully what an amazing system is. I love that. I love that. All right. So if, if you were to be asked this question, right, like why in, in the, the most peeled back manner, why would you become an NASM master trainer? Mm -hmm. What is it there for people? Is it is it just the challenge yourself? Is it just to be critiqued by an educated eye? Um, what what is it that's really going to be like? Uh, why do people really want to do this? And what is the benefit they get out of it as far as their future business is concerned? Sure. I mean this this topic has been talked about for years in the industry. Of is there a standardization? Why don't we have hands on, etc. Well. The business in the industry is so big, it's not going to change. This is the ability for you to where the rubber meets the road is, do I know what I think I know? And can I implement it in a manner that I can nail the assessment, nail the program design and coach somebody through the workout properly? So this is really just the, the basics of let me test myself and let me see if I truly know what I think I know. And to me, that's the most basic raw answer to that, because mm -hmm. from there, if you don't know what you don't know, that's what scares me the most. Right. When I look at a pie chart, I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And that might be me doing my CEU plan of going, you know what? I don't know for me being an athletic trainer. I don't know enough about dry needling. I don't know enough about this, that, the other. So the, mm -hmm. like those are on my radar. What worries me is when people don't know what they don't know. This could be why people are squatting people with bad form and technique. This could be, you know, fill in the blank. So this is an opportunity to really test to make sure you know what you think you know. I like also one of the things that I've noticed is and when people go through this, Marty, I know you've seen it too, where they 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 give good feedback. They've got a lot of information leading up to the summit. Now it's time to do the assessment and to put together a workout program. And when they get to that point, it's almost like they try to impress us by doing some things that are so unique and so different that the that kiss principle that keep it short and sweet, so to speak, uh, goes right out the door and they try to come up with keep it super sexy and they fail, right. <laughs> they fail. Right. It, it's crazy. But again, we're looking, you know, it, are you implementing the model? That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for your version of the model. We're not looking for something. People forget to even take the shoes off during the assessment process because they get going so much. But, you know, this, I promise will be my last reference to martial arts. We both know what Bruce Lee said. He's not worried about the man who practiced 10,000 kicks. He's worried about the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times. Yeah. If you are nailing the basics of the model, now the model's complex, there's a lot to it, but if you know the right warm up techniques and you apply those to the right movement assessments with the right muscle imbalances, then you know how to do the right core stabilization. You know how to do the resistance part for safe on and on. You know the right cool down. You know what goes on for strength, endurance, and pop. You're going to get such good results. It doesn't need to be 
much more sexy than that. Hmm. Of course, you know, the, the analogy I always say is, you know, I worked at some five-star country clubs. So if I had to go into the kitchen and there was a competition between me and the chef to cook macaroni and cheese, you can guarantee, even though I've cooked, I guarantee you the first thing I'm pulling out is not the macaroni, not the pot. I'm going for the cookbook. If I follow that recipe to the T, I may not beat the world-class chef who's had 25 years of training and he's making it Cajun. He's putting in crunchy stuff and hot sauce. I'm like, that's not in, it's not in here, but it's because he knows how to play with it and adapt it, but he's still following the recipe. I'm just new. So don't screw it up. Just do what it says from there, from then continuing education, from going to a master trainer, something from going to Optima. Now my recipe book gets a little bit bigger, mm. but if you watched me, I'm always following the model. And that's where I think that, you know, like you said, let's not overinvent this thing. The model has to become something you master. Then there's a lot of creativity, which you talk about in this. I and Wendy talk about in the master instructor roundtable. We do that at Optima. It's not boring, but you've got to know the basics before, you know, before you could become that expert chef. It's interesting because we have a, a lot of education outside and beyond NASM. And I still use the OPT model as my base. I might deviate from it. I might add some stuff to it. I might do some things that, uh, that provide a little different perspective. But at the base, if you were to, to peel everything else away, you could look at it and be like, he still kind of, he follows OPT model. And, right. and I do. So I, I think it's something that, um, regardless of your skill set and how much you know, it is a very, very fundamental um, pathway to follow. And the thing is, when you leave, you can't move beyond fundamentals if you don't know the basics. And everything still comes back to the basics anyway. So this is a great fundamental education. The, the master instructor or the master trainer is the opportunity to test yourself and your knowledge and your skill set when it comes to your ability to assess and put together programming. So following that model and staying true. And I would say over 90% of the people that I've gone through with they all come back at the end when we give them their fee and we give very detailed feedback. They're like, you know, at first I was a little frustrated that I missed this, 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 and this, but now I see things so different. I can't thank you enough for the, in a, the, like they have this full 360 of like, okay, I was going down this hole where I was a little like, Oh my God, I didn't know about it. And all of a sudden they're like, bingo. Now the light bulb goes off because that's our goal is our goal is only to make them better once they leave and give okay. them, Sometimes just a little tweak that they might have missed, or sometimes it might be, you know, a, a more substantial tweak. But at the end, they all come to it and they're like, okay, this was one of the best decisions I ever made. The networking is there. NASM does a lot for their master trainers. It's, it's a phenomenal program. Amazing. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Marty Miller. He is a friend of mine, a colleague at NASM who started the year before I did. So you know, he's been there for a long time. Uh, so uh, he's a regional instructor for 
the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I wanted him to come on to talk to us about becoming a master trainer with NASM. Marty, uh, as we start to, to wrap this up, is there anything else that people who are considering becoming a master trainer with NASM, or is there anything else that you may want to share with them, maybe to help push them towards uh, saying yes to, to this next level education? Sure, absolutely. So, but to your comment, how long I've been around, uh, Rick, just put this in perspective. We're about to have a second generation certified personal trainer. Let that sink oh, in. Wow. And my son, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to be around a long time for that. <laughs> Not that I'm aging myself here, but to your point is honestly, just have the confidence to know that this is one of the best things you'll do for yourself, especially if you fall into the categories where you feel a little bit isolated, you really don't get to interact with somebody that's leading you each and every day that does have a mastery of this content, right? So sometimes you're around other people and you're learning from them, but you may be being moved away from the model. So just understand that this, this model is going to be your best friend for the rest of your career. And that the sooner you find out where your strengths and weaknesses are, the easier it is for you then to adjust and create that plan. So you're not now to the next level of your career. I love it. Marty Miller, thank you so much for being here with us. Do you have a, a, a way that people could get in touch with you if they want to reach out directly to you or follow you on social? Yeah, absolutely. So my Instagram is dr.martymiller72. So dr.martymiller72. That's the easiest way. Just hit me up, DM me. And a lot of times, if it's a conversation that needs to go a little longer, we'll just jump on a call. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Marty Miller. So thank you so much for being with us, Marty. And I want to say thank you to you. And for those who asked the question, wanted to learn more about becoming an NASM master trainer. Uh, if you've got questions, you can reach out to Marty. Feel free, of course, to reach out to me. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for being here. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast. <laughs>